Well, hello everyone. It is uh, awesome to be up here and I love this like full 3D situation that we've got going on. I'm going to have fun with that. Um, but it's an absolute pleasure and a delight to be with you this afternoon. As Michael said, normally uh, I'm down at the 6 p.m. service and I feel a bit rebellious being up here, letting all the kids go wild tonight at 6 p.m. But uh, it's, an, it's an absolute joy to be with a community that I have heard so much about. Uh, so many amazing good things that have come out of this community, how you've pioneered right here in the city of Brisbane. And uh, the way that our pastoral team talks about your community is one that is passionate and one that is on fire to see God revive this city. So I am excited by you guys. I, um, I long to be spiritually with you more often, but it's an absolute excitement and joy to be with you tonight. So thank you for having me. Uh, we are continuing this series uh, on Ephesians, and I have loved walking through this book because we've walked at a pace that has meant we could see a little bit of the landscape along the way. We've been able to uh, really plumb the depths of what Paul was writing in this letter to the Ephesian church. Uh, we've been able to see some of the similarities between a society that uh, was in a completely different part of the world at a completely different era, but seems to have this transcendent message of how to follow Christ. And I think it's one that translates so well into our context. And so tonight we're going to continue on that journey. We are in chapter five, so we're nearly done. Uh, I think, what, there's three more weeks? Two. Two more weeks. Um, but again, this is such an exciting part of the letter. It has a lot in it, and we are only really going to touch the surface this afternoon. Uh, but I'm excited because this kind of has I, what I believe is really practical advice from Paul. And I don't know if you're like me, but in church, when there's something practical, I love it because then you can actually apply it first thing on Monday. So that's my hope for the, uh, this afternoon is that we get real practical on what Paul is instructing us to do. Uh, earlier this week, though, I was on a Zoom call uh, with a friend that, she's a new friend, and she is in Melbourne, and so she's in lockdown, uh, so I really felt for her, but we were on Zoom for about an hour and a half, and we we're just getting to know each other, and she has a position where she's actually able to see uh, the landscape of the Christian church in Australia, uh, a whole bunch of denominations, a whole bunch of different areas and churches, and to be able to rack her brain about some of the trends that she was noticing in the Australian church was a privilege. And so I said to her, what are you noticing across the board in Australia? What are you sensing in terms of uh, renewal? What are you seeing? And she said something uh, that I kind of had thought maybe was just in my context, but it was really encouraging to hear that this is something that she is seeing across our nation. And she said that people, probably for the first time in a very long time, are curious about Christianity again. That there is opportunity that is very ripe for people to be intrigued. And I think that this is because knowledge is really low People don't necessarily understand a whole lot about the Christian faith. And so therefore, curiosity and intrigue are high. And I think that that is so exciting because it presents such an opportunity for us. If anything, it means that the slate is kind of blank a little bit and we're able to write a really true and exciting story about what it means to follow Jesus. And so she was excited by the fact that 
in uh, Uber trips, she's able to talk to the driver and pray over them. She's excited that colleagues that she meets uh, outside of the Christian church are intrigued by her job. And for me, in my context, uh, even like my housemates are intrigued. I was it was a couple of months ago now when we were in the book of Genesis and we were walking through the story of uh, the flood. And I was kind of telling one of my housemates, you know, uh, we're talking about the flood this afternoon at church. And she was like, oh, what flood? And I was like, you know, like with Noah and the ark. And she was like, no, what? And I was like, what? You don't know? And so I got to tell her like really quickly the, the story of the flood and watching her eyes light up at this thing that she had never heard. And that blew my mind. We have such a ripe opportunity at the moment where intrigue and curiosity are high. But I think one of the things that then we would wonder is if that is the case, why are our churches not inundated with people? If curiosity is high, you'd think that people would be rushing into church trying to find out more about this belief. And maybe tonight is your first night in church. Uh, so that's awesome. You're kind of proving my point. Um, but the thing is, if, if our churches aren't filling up with people and intrigue is high, why is that? And I think one of the currencies of today, one of the things that um, I think gives weight to this modern realism that we live in, where you can hold your truth and I can have my truth and that's fine. I think the reason that that works is because the currency of authenticity is king. If you have your belief but you're authentically living out, that's fine. I can have my belief and I can be authentically living it out. And, and the challenge is, if people are intrigued about Christianity, is it because the authenticity isn't there in us? Is it because maybe what they hear about and what they get might be different? And what the Ephesian church was being uh, challenged by Paul to do was to be authentic in their faith. They were being told to take what they believe, take this new belief system in Jesus Christ, and then live it out. Our theme for this Ephesians series is how now shall we live? Not what now shall we believe, how now shall we live? Because our behavior needs to be in line with our belief and vice versa. So tonight, Paul is encouraging them to live out this faith, be authentic in this faith that they have. Uh, we've learned in the first three chapters kind of the belief system that Paul has reminded them of, and now we're looking at how to behave. So if you will join me, we are in chapter five, and we are going to look at verses 8 to 20 tonight. I think it will be up on the screens. Perfect. It says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the obedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. This is why it said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. 
Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a lot happening in those 12 verses, and I don't think that you guys or I can walk through that slow enough to be able to grasp all of that. We will not get to tie. So what we need to do tonight is um, I actually wanted to show you kind of two ways that I read Scripture. I know that as a community, as a whole New Life family, we're reading through the Bible at the moment. And if you haven't uh, been joining us at all, or perhaps you're new this afternoon, would love to extend invitation for you to jump in and read the Bible with us. Uh, We're at a really good part. You've kind of come at a great time because you've skipped some of the hard stuff. Uh, But jump in. You can head to church.nu forward slash becoming for all of the details. Uh, But tonight, I just wanted to share with you how I kind of read Scripture sometimes. And uh, what I look for when I'm reading Scripture is I look for a theme, and then I look for something that stands out to me. So I look for maybe uh, something that's repeated a bunch of times. I look for a a metaphor that's explained. And then I I sense what's like one line, one verse, um, what's one sentence or something that is really standing out to me. And then I kind of dive a little bit deeper into that. So tonight, instead of going through this line by line, um, which I know we've done in previous weeks, tonight we're going to look at a theme and we're going to look at a phrase. So first of all, a theme that we're going to look at tonight is that first verse that we see. For uh, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. So that kind of obviously is using metaphor here in darkness and light. And and what this is showing, a little bit of the context of what's happening here, is in the book of Acts in chapter 19, we get a bit of a glimpse of what's happening in Ephesus. So this was Paul, he was there for two years, and he was pioneering and igniting the church in Ephesus. And what he was kind of needing to battle is Ephesus was a multi-theistic society, which means that they had plenty of gods, And the threat was that Jesus was just going to be another one of those gods, that he, in fact, would just be put in line with all the other ones, and there wouldn't have actually been this reality that, no, 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 there is no other name to be worshipped except the name of Jesus. He's not just one that you can slot in to all of the others. And we see this in particular where there's these guys and they're wanting to evoke the power that they're seeing in the name of Jesus. They've seen Paul do all these amazing miracles and they want a bit of that themselves. And so what they do is they see this guy who uh, seems to have some evil spirits and and they cast out these spirits uh, in the name of Jesus. And what happens is there's this crazy encounter where this spirit actually speaks to the guys and he says, I I know Jesus, I've heard of this guy Paul, but who are you? And it's this this fascinating uh, description of what happens because these people were seeking out the power that is in the name of Jesus without having a relationship. They were longing for that tool for success and this, this wonder that comes with power but they were doing it in a way where they didn't actually know who it was, the name that they were evoking in that moment. And so what Paul is trying to do is say, guys, remember once you were, because it needs to be different to who you are now. 
You can't just add Jesus in to the list of gods that you have. He is the God. He is the one and only. And so he's trying to fight this idea of idolatry that's happening in the Ephesian church. So he's saying here, you were once darkness. Now you are light. Remember who you were, and it now needs to be very different because you are light. He's saying not once you were in the darkness, now you are in the light. He's speaking about identity. He's speaking about who they are in Christ. Idolatry threatens identity in Christ. When you have a whole bunch of things in your life, and maybe it's not that you've got other gods per se, like the Greeks did, but it might be that you have other priorities in your life. You might have a whole bunch of other things going on, and Jesus is just one of those it will be hard to find your identity solely in Jesus when there's hints of idolatry. When you're worshiping other things in your life, when you're prioritizing other things, when they're taking that number one spot in your heart, your identity isn't fully in Christ. And so when you are seeking out the power of Christ or maybe the peace of Christ or, uh, or whatever it may be in that, in that setting that you have, Think about, is the relationship of Christ most important in your life? And if it's not, is there a hint of idolatry there? They knew all about idolatry. And Paul here is saying, no, 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 that's who you were. Now you are light in the Lord. Live that way. So we need to tie this fact that identity then determines how we live. If you are uh, light, then you need to live as children of the light. They need to be coupled together. And that's where I think this authenticity piece comes in. I think that's where that currency, where people will wake up and pay attention to you as you live out your faith, if it's authentically there, I think that that will register in the people around you. If you are authentically living out what you believe, if you are living out in the light that you have received in Christ, people will wake up and notice that. A couple of years ago, I was in a job where I had to wear a uniform. I don't know if you have ever, outside of school, had to wear a uniform, but church. <laughs> What's our uniform? RMs. I know I'm not wearing mine. Um, so, I was in this job where I had to wear a uniform and I was actually ski instructing so I had a very visible uniform and I don't know if you've ever been to the ski fields but one of the things that my family likes to do which I, I just despise is that my dad will point out any ski instructor and say, watch them, watch them and you have to watch them when you're on the lift and, and this idea is like, it's identifying you, it gives everyone permission to just like judge how you ski. And so when we had to wear this uniform as a ski instructor, it came with a whole bunch of rules. So if you were wearing your uniform, you were not allowed to go on public transport, you were not allowed to eat or drink, you were not allowed to free ski, you were uh, not allowed to go out like to the supermarket or anything like that. You had to only wear your uniform when you were instructing a class. And I was thinking about that at the time, it was just so annoying, but I was thinking about it because they didn't want for people to get confused about what you were doing and why you were doing it. 
If your uniform was to show that you were a ski instructor and that, in fact, you had a class who you were instructing, if you were just out free skiing and being a bit of a hooligan and, and someone like my dad is watching going, oh, look at that ski instructor, how are you representing the whole mountain and the ski school? The fact is, if you were to be a ski instructor and you were going to wear this uniform, you had to wear it for the right reasons. It makes me think about this passage in Scripture. If we are wearing an invisible uniform reflecting Christ, how are we living knowing that we need to be a good representation, a true representation of Christ? If people know you're a Christian, which I hope they do, uh, people are watching you. People are watching how you live, how you talk to people, the decisions that you make, how you treat strangers. You are wearing this invisible uniform, this invisible identity saying, I'm a Christ follower and people are watching how you live. So make sure that in how we live, it's a true representation of Christ. Make sure that they match up in what we say, in how we act, in what we do. It's important to remember that we are reflecting and representing Christ always. Not sometimes, always. So how are you portraying Christ in your life? One of the girls in my small group, I love it, she always says to me, yeah, but Anna, how do we do that? To which as a good small group leader, I say, what does everyone else think? <laughs> so in those moments, this, this girl in my small group, I love it because it challenges, okay, if we need to ask the how question, that helps us then put it into practice. And lucky for us, the how question in how we represent Christ well, we've got the best person on our team helping us. The Holy Spirit is already, without you doing anything, already making you more and more like Christ. It's called sanctification. It's this idea that he is at work within you and he is changing you from the inside out so that you reflect Christ more truly. So he is at work within you. And something that Michael said a few weeks, was it last week maybe, uh, that was so beautiful, he is more committed to your flourishing than you are. His desire is to see you more like Christ. And so to know that Christ is in us uh, through the Holy Spirit and he is transforming us hopefully should bring you a whole lot of comfort. And so all we have to do, which is what we looked at last week, is we need to make sure that we don't grieve him. We don't ignore him. We don't silence out the voice of God through the Spirit in order to live our own ways. He is at work within you and he is making you more and more into the likeness of Christ. We learned about it in chapter four where uh, Paul's encouraging the church to represent him through unity and maturity and he says to be gentle, to be humble, to be patient and to bear with one another in love. In chapter five, we learned how the Holy Spirit is helping us to put off that of the old life, put off the darkness to put off unwholesome talk, to put off lies, to put off rage, and to rather put on love always. Where he's continually at work within you. And that's where our identity represents Christ. We were once darkness, but now we are light. We are light because of what Jesus did on the cross. He has transformed that identity in you. So now live in the freedom and the goodness of children of the light. Christ in you 
is the hope of glory in this world. So represent him well. Secondly, we have a phrase that stood out to us. First, we had this theme of our identity needs to be in Christ. It was, we were darkness, now we are light. Secondly, a phrase that stood out to me, and you probably have a different one, but a phrase that stood out to me says, and find out what pleases the Lord. Just those few words smack bang in the middle of that uh, passage of scripture. Find out what pleases the Lord. I love that idea to uncover or expose or intentionally find out what it is that makes the Lord happy, what what brings him joy, what pleases him. And, And how do we find that out but being in relationship with him? Earlier this week, I met up with one of the uh, people on our team, and due to some kind of internal structural changes, it means that now we're working way closer together on the same team. And so I took her out for a coffee just to get to know her a little bit better. And one of the beautiful gifts that she gave me in that moment is she just kind of was saying a bit about herself, and she said, oh, and my love language is words of affirmation. And I kind of didn't ask her that. She kind of just gave it to me, and I was like, oh, that's really great, you're a wonderful person. <laughs> um, but in that moment, I was thinking about it, and I, she just laid it out for me there. She just said, that's, that's the way you're gonna show me love is by words of affirmation. Uh, and I realized that I'd worked with this woman for the past five months, not in that close proximity, but I had no idea that that was her love language until she told me. It wasn't until we were actually in proximity to one another, intentional in wanting to pursue our kind of working relationship together, that we were able to find out, okay, that's what pleases her, words of affirmation. When it comes to God, he lays it out for us, just like this girl did. In the Bible is all the playbook of what pleases the Lord. We can see through other people's stories, through history, what brings delight to the Lord and what brings anger to the Lord. He lays it out. It's not a guessing game. He's very clear. God? (laughs) Do I need to fix that or anything? No, okay, we're cool. Um, So he lays out in the scripture what pleases him. So my encouragement to you is when you're reading through the Bible, pay attention to what pleases the Lord. See if it's the obedience of the people. See if it's the way that they are put down other idols and and solely worship after the Lord. Pick up on what pleases the Lord. And then secondly, recognize that you can find out what pleases the Lord when you're intentional with proximity to Him. When you draw near to Him, when you have times and moments of worship, when you're able to set aside time to be intentional in your relationship with Him, that in those moments you'll sense what pleases Him. And in the passage, it's, again, it lays it out for us. It says that, oh, let me find it, here we go. Uh, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. What does your life taste like? What is the fruit of your life? Is it goodness and righteousness and truth? Because that is what pleases the Lord. So be aware of what pleases him. Find out, go on that journey of finding out what pleases God. It's a, it's a beautiful thought to think that we can pursue God and find out what his love language is. We can pursue God and, and sense where he has brought so much joy in how we act. 
In one of my favorite songs, uh, there's a line that's kind of similar to this, and it's just something that plays on my mind over and over again. Uh, and I just, I love worship because worship is a time where we can do that intentional drawing near. It's that intentional proximity to his presence. He's always with us, but I think in times of worship, we're able to tune into what he is doing and saying. Uh, so, so turn up early for worship. Be present in worship. When you arrive in church, worship is not like the warm-up so that you can walk into church late. It's a time where we can actually draw near with proximity to the Lord. And so in this song, uh, it has this line, tell me your thoughts, God, what's on your mind? And I've never thought about what the thoughts of the Lord are or what's on his mind. Isn't it a beautiful picture to think, wake up and think, God, what's on your mind today? Show me what's on your mind in this work meeting. Show me what's on your mind with these people that I'm walking past. Or God, show me what's on your mind for the lost. Show me who the lost are. God, what is on your mind is this beautiful way to be intrigued and curious about what pleases the Lord. God, what is on your mind? And then Holy Spirit, how can I partner with you to do that? God, what is on your mind? Again, the girl in my small group would ask me, how, how, Anna, do we find out what pleases the Lord? How do we find out what his good and perfect will is? Well, I'm glad you asked. Romans 12, Romans 12, it says, oh, and as a aside, I love that Paul is so consistent in what he says to the Ephesians. Is He says to the Romans, he says to the Corinthians, he says to the Philip. I was about to say Filipinos, <laughs> Philippians. He does say it to the Filipinos. <laughs> um, but what he says in Romans 12, he says this, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. That's just another way that Paul is uh, instructing the church to find out what pleases the Lord, find out what his good and perfect will is. Do not be the darkness, do not conform to the patterns of this world, hate what is evil, but rather cling to what is good. It's this whole idea that Paul is reinforcing, is saying, draw near to me, represent me, find out what's on my mind, find out what pleases me, and then through the work of the Holy Spirit, act that out. You are light. Live as children of the light. I love this uh, preacher. His name is Dr. Rob Reamer. And uh, he kind of, sometimes when we're preparing for sermons, you listen to a whole bunch of other preachers preach on the same topic, and then you just go, oh, great. Can't I just say what he says? So this guy, I listened to his whole sermon. I was like, this was amazing. But he said something that just stood out to me. He said, you know what? There's only two times that you have to do what God says. Only two times. And write it down. He says, you do it when you feel like it and when you don't. <laughs> They're the only two times you have to do what God asks you to do. And he says, and one of those is a lot harder than the other. And that way it means a lot more. When you do not feel like doing what God says, wake up because that's, that's what you need to do. You need to do what God says when you do not feel like it because so often that's just the distilled version 
of God really instructing you in those moments. You don't feel like listening to him. You don't feel like that kind word. You don't feel like being patient. You don't feel like that person's worthy of your forgiveness. And the voice of God through his Holy Spirit tells you to do what he says. Forgive that person. Be gentle. Be kind. Build that person up in love. Don't tear them down. Do what God says because you are children of light when you don't feel like it in the little things, but also in the big things. Pay attention to what he's saying and and do it. Be courageous. The Holy Spirit in you wants to continue this work. He wants to propel you into this good work, but he also wants to shine light on the things in your life that are not yet in line with God's will. Find out what's pleasing to the Lord, but then you will recognize that in your heart, there's probably things that aren't pleasing to the Lord. And what the Holy Spirit does, if you give him access, will shine God's light on those areas. And it's not to condemn you at all, because when the light comes into the darkness, it doesn't just breed more darkness. Condemnation is part of darkness because there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So when the true light of the Holy Spirit shines his light upon things in your life, it should bring this sense of freedom. It should sense uh, this goodness come over you because the Holy Spirit comes to free you from the things that are holding you captive. He comes to shine his light on those things so that they can be brought into alignment with God's goodness. Allow access for the Holy Spirit to shine his light. It won't change things necessarily, but it will reveal things. It's not just this magic wand that will show the light and then change it. It takes time, it takes work. But if you allow access to the Holy Spirit into those places, they will start to change and go on that journey of being more in line with who God is and his character. So the phrase that stood out to me is find out what pleases the Lord. Go on a journey in relationship with him to find out what pleases him and then allow the Holy Spirit to continue to propel you to act like that. So as we finish this afternoon, uh, I would love for us to ask the Holy Spirit to have access, if you will, into your heart. And this is something that is so personal for each person. Uh, there's, there's probably things that you've hidden from God or that you'd rather God just not touch right now. There's probably those things in your life. And, and this afternoon, I'm not saying like, let's just like speak those out and declare those and surrender those to, Lord, but, to the Lord. But rather, why don't we ask for the Holy Spirit just to have access to shine His light upon them. And remember that that doesn't bring condemnation. It doesn't bring guilt. It doesn't bring shame, but rather it awakens it in us to to be brought before the Father who in His goodness and His righteousness and in His truth will deal with those in the most gentle way, but will bring them further into alignment with who He is. So if you'd stand with me, I'd just love to pray over us. I'd love to pray that we together are inspired but also instructed to have the integrity of our identity in Christ. It's a lot of words, but it's so that our our life reflects our relationship with Christ. How we live reflects 
what we believe. The fact that there needs to be authenticity between if we profess with our mouths to follow Christ, but then in our lives do otherwise, that will only bring confusion. That won't bring people into our churches or into a relationship with Christ. We wanna have those uh, to be integrous with one another. They need to align. So I'm gonna pray over us that we are compelled to live in a way that reflects Christ. And secondly, I wanna pray over us uh, around the fact that we wanna please God. We wanna find out what He longs to see us do, not in a way that we um, are trying to win His approval because you already have it. He's died on the cross for you. This isn't a question of approval. It's not pleasing Him for His approval. It's pleasing Him because you delight to just walk in a, a, a loving relationship with Him. So I'm gonna pray over those two things for us. And then um, I'm just gonna wait and see and see if the Holy Spirit is wanting to do anything else. Uh, and then we'll probably go into a time of worship. So if you feel comfortable, how about you just hold your hands open, only if you feel comfortable, but it's, it's an external posture to allow that access of the Holy Spirit into our souls, into our minds, into our hearts. So Holy Spirit, we just, we welcome your presence. We welcome your light. Lord, we give you access tonight to reveal some things to us. you so much that what you did on the cross determines our identity. Lord, that we are light. We are no longer darkness. And God, I pray that people this afternoon will have such confidence knowing that they're, they're not a blurry mix. They have been made light in you. They are no longer the darkness, the sin, the shame but rather in you, Lord, that they are brought to this place of freedom, of wholeness. And Lord, I pray that this community is one that has such a confidence in living that out. God, I pray that they will know who they are in you and they will live out who they are in you. I pray that their workplaces, their families, Lord, their households, God, whoever is in proximity to these people, Lord, our community here at New Life Brisbane, I pray that people will experience you through how these people live. God, I pray that we will be a community that reflects you. God, that people will see a glimpse of you through us. May we understand our identity in you and therefore live in a way that represents you well. And God, I just pray as well tonight that we will continue this journey of intimacy and relationship with you. One that we long to know what's on your mind. We long to know what pleases you. And I pray against that becoming a game of approval. Lord God, I pray that that will just silence out of people's minds. This is not to win your favour. This is not to win your affection. But Lord, this is to walk in harmony with you in a beautiful relationship. So Holy Spirit, just to reveal some things right now in people. 
for what they're already doing in their life that pleases you. And encourage them in that. Encourage them to outwork that wholeheartedly. And I just have a sense that some people might be questioning their identity in Christ. They might not feel worthy. They might sense that the darkness is still surrounding them. Lord God, would you speak over them right now to show them that they are children of light, that as they come to you and they surrender their life and ask you to be their Lord and Saviour, Lord, that they will not question their identity in you. That was sealed on the cross. That whoever professes with their mouth and claims in the heart that you are their Lord and Saviour can come to the Father. So God, I pray that you will silence doubt around identity, but rather you will affirm who they are in you. That they're a beautiful daughter and a son of yours. Affirm identity tonight, Lord Jesus. And Holy Spirit, as we sing this song, God, I pray that you will speak to us again, Lord. I pray that you will reveal more of yourself. I pray that you'll open ears to hear you, Lord. Pray as we declare who you are, Lord, that that will become such an anthem of our heart and a posture of our lives. In Jesus' name.